first thing, if you're joining us for the first time, my name is Lisa Pulliam, and I am the founder of More To Be, and I am happy to have you guys all with us today. Um, so we are uh, going to cover this topic today of Coffee With The Coaches, strategies to avoid burnout for everyday life. And uh, as we get started, I just wanted to introduce you guys to the, the four coaches of the More To Be Coach Network that uh, happen to be with us today and let them kind of tell you a little bit about who they are and uh, why they love coaching. So Kelly, why don't you go first, then we'll go Marva, Kristen, and Andrea. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Kelly Schaefer. I coach moms who uh, have lost their sight of their passions and their purpose while raising their babies, something that I could personally relate to. And you know, now that their kids are in school, they have time to focus on themselves I help them really clarify God's calling for their lives and make an action plan. I'm all about taking action. So that's why I love coaching is to just make forward progress and, and just see what's ahead. That's awesome. So glad you're with us, Kelly. Uh, Marva, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey ladies, my name is Marva and I'm a working life coach for women who are working and uh, have achieved a level of success but are wondering what next because again I can relate to that and I really just come alongside you and be able to help you figure out your next step rekindle your passion and just realign yourself with your purpose so I'm really excited to be here thank you Lisa thanks for being here Marva Kristen Go for it. Hi, yeah, so I'm Kristen and I'm a life coach that works with ministry wives, new and seasoned and wounded ministry wives um, mm -hmm. to help them find renewed joy and fulfillment in their role, something that I can really relate to. So often we focus on establishing greater emotional health and boundaries, um, sometimes dealing with leadership um, situations. What do I do in this? and it can pinpoint some questions that they might need to work through with a specific new ministry or that kind of thing. Um, and for those that are wounded, we work forward through anxiety, depression, things like that, trust issues that are commonly mm -hmm. present. The goal of coaching all of these sweet sisters is just so that they can return to serving if that's what the Lord wants them to do. Um, but in any capacity, we're called to serve those that are around us. So the best we can do that is when we are healthy ourselves. Thanks for having me today. So glad you're here, Kristen. And Andrea, your turn. Hi, sisters. I'm Andrea McCullough. I love to coach women who feel unsupported, overlooked, and devalued at work and at home. Um, I love to work with them to find their voice on their journey, uh, to discover what's holding them back from reaching that breakthrough. So women who may be career-minded women, um, women who are working from home, um, anyone who really would love to have someone listen to their voice and um, be able to share in that journey with them. So thanks for having me. So glad to have you guys. So um, we are giving away coaching and coffee, like, right? We love coaching and coffee. So uh, the way I'll say this uh, in advance for those who are like, when do I win? When do I win? Uh, we will draw winners from those who have registered. And, and if you have shown up today, uh, you get an extra entry. So for those who are actually here and present with us, that helps us notice you. Um, if you have comments and questions for us that you want to ask, we want you guys to use that chat box. We have Perry with us, who's also more to be coach, and she is serving as our administrator. So she can answer your questions if you have those, uh, technically speaking. Um, and then if you have any questions that you want us to answer at the end, if there's time, we will answer those questions and questions as well. So as we're getting started, I'm going to jump into a little teaching mode here. You guys can bow out, and then when it's your turn to come on for a question, I'll bring you back on, and we'll we'll tackle that question together. So um, I well. I forgot about this beautiful slide with the pictures of our coaches. So uh, in addition to Marva, Andrea, Kristen, and Kelly, and Perry, we have other more to be coaches and you can meet them at the moretobe.com website uh, and go to uh, the coaches directory. So definitely check them out. Okay, so today's topic is strategies to avoid burnout and enjoy everyday life. And if you um, were a part of uh, the first coffee with the coaches, 
then you got to hear part one of this. And if you missed it, we actually aired it on the podcast. So you can go back and listen to part one. But I just want to give you a, a little like overview. The reason we're tackling this is because burnout is a problem for more than just like people who are workaholics. Raise my hand, I'm a recovering workaholic. Burnout is a problem that you can experience in any a stage of life in any role. So mamas can feel burnout. Uh, you can feel burnout as a student. You can feel burnout as somebody who's serving in a, in a church and experiencing some of these symptoms. So headaches, fatigue, heartburn, gastrointestinal issues, depression, self-doubt, social isolation, feeling empty and increased uh, crutches is what I call those, where we turn towards other substances to find comfort and relief. So of course, if you are having any of these symptoms, like first thing to do, go see your doctor, uh, but then also add to that an evaluation of your life and, and really seeking God, like what is going on? What is causing uh, this exhaustion? And, and what is, uh, as psychology today puts it, uh, your prolonged or repeated stress? Like we, God gave us our bodies in such a way that they tell us what's going on inside. And so let's pay attention to those symptoms and say, Lord, what is it? Can you, can you give me insight? So in that vein, uh, in addition to seeing the doctors and taking care of your physical body, we talked about caring for your emotional and spiritual health uh, last time and, and looking and learning how to enjoy everyday life. And I took us to Matthew 11 and Matthew uh, 14. And I kind of, here are my four points from last time that we need to honor rest with Sabbath and holy pauses, uh, which the podcast that I believe is coming out on Monday, uh, which would be like March 1st-ish, I think, or March something something, um, is on Sabbath and taking rest and how to integrate that into your day in a way that is gracious and, and kind to yourself and honoring of God. Um, uh, we talked about sitting down to receive the blessing and that, again, go back and listen to that recording, being satisfied with the portion that God gives and then looking for the leftovers to give away. And if we kind of have these rhythms of rest first, sitting down to receive, being satisfied with what God gives and then giving away, that to me, those are some biblical strategies for avoiding burnout. And I just have two more that I want to add to that. And I want to add that in this context of being response-able. So I teach this in the coach training class that we're not just responsible, but that we can become response-able instead of reacting to. And being response-able uh, is as practical as carving out margin space in your schedule so that you are not running like this all the time. And when there's crisis, you don't have bandwidth. Uh, to respond to it. And, you know, I was just starting to say to the gals uh, before we got on the call with you today, like, we're in crisis mode here in our house. Uh, I have a daughter who's struggling with her health, and we're trying to figure out doctor's appointments while she's away at school. I've got another daughter whose car is not working and had to get driven to the shop yesterday. At the same time, I had a friend yesterday call in crisis. I had another friend text about a really horrible loss in her life. I mean, so there was a lot going on and I was able to be response-able because I had some margin space built in my time, in my schedule to say, I can take care of this because I am not overbooked. So that is one way um, to be response-able. And in that context, this idea of living with limits. So if you uh, have your Bibles and you want to turn with me to Matthew 14, um, this is a feeding of the 5,000. So last time we talked about feeding of the 4,000. Now we're talking about feeding of the 5,000. And it says in verse 13, when Jesus heard about it, he withdrew from there by boat to a remote place to be alone. And when the crowds heard this, they followed him on foot from the towns. And so this idea of looking in scriptures to see the example that Jesus sets for us and what his servanthoodness looked like. And so he withdrew and he was to be by himself. And so, you know, question for you to consider for application. How are you withdrawing to be by yourself? How are you finding time alone to connect with God, to uh, explore what his priorities are for you, to be in fellowship with them? 
And yet, uh, when you continue on there, when the, he heard this, he followed them on foot. To the, when the crowds heard this, they followed him. He couldn't get rid of them. They followed him. And when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. And so this idea that living with limits does not mean we don't notice what's going on around us and we don't respond in compassion, but again, responding from the overflow of what God has, has done in us and understanding that we can't be all things to all people, that there, there's a no, uh, and that no, uh, it, it, it leads to a yes. So I've read this, where is it? I read this really great book over the weekend, which is unusual for me, but I was uh, chaperoning my daughter's trip. Uh, and this book, if you don't have a copy of this, I encourage you to get this. It's called Sensitive and Strong by Denise Hughes and Sherry Gregory. And it's a guide for highly sensitive persons and those who love them. So it's for everybody, right? Uh, and, and Denise says this, that I just thought was too good to not include and share with you guys. When we try to do more than is humanly possible, we're trying to be like God. God alone is limitless. In his omnipotence, he is all-powerful, requiring no sleep. In his omniscience, he is all-knowing, requiring no striving. He is infinite, immeasurable, and indescribable. He is God, and I am not. This means I need to honor my human limits by embracing my need for rest, my need for balanced nutrition, my need for healthy relationships, and ultimately my need for God. So you know, using this as a little check system in your life, like where are you not caring for yourself and taking on a mindset, whoops, excuse me, taking on a mindset of feeling like I am God and I should be able to handle this. Whereas God is saying, nope, you are not God, I am God. And so let me do my work in you and you trust me with your limits. Okay, and then uh, last point here on this topic of how do we enjoy everyday life and avoid burnout. Uh, sow the word, but the one who sow, the one sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit and yield, some as a hundred, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. And so you know, if you look just back the page uh, in your Bible to the parable of the sower, you'll see the entire, uh, the entire context. And you know, on the path, there's no understanding. So picture that seed dropped on that hard soil. On the, the rocky ground, there's no roots. Among the thorns, worry and deceit uh, steals that word away. But on good ground, there is good fruit that's produced. And so how are you going about sowing the word uh, into your life. And it's hard. I, I was having this conversation with my 14-year-old daughter last night who has this uh, new vision for moving into uh, law and politics after her experience this weekend, which I actually talk about in this week's um, Encounter God series and, and kind of the ahas of that. And, and so I, I was sharing with her last night like, the importance of her sowing the word into her life, not because it makes sense right now, not because it is entertaining, not because it's a form of unwinding, not because it is something somebody told her to do, but rather doing it because over the long haul, she needs that foundation to endure the, the trials, the temptations, the anxieties, the worries that are going to come her way. And so what does it look like for you to start a committed Bible reading? Uh, you could join us at More to Be. We do that every week. We're reading just one chapter of scripture a week. That's a great place to start if you don't, don't know where to start at all. Um, or you can pick up a Bible reading plan. And I said to her, I'm like, Caitlin, you could read the Bible in one year, reading, three, uh, reading four chapters a day. And if you read four chapters a day and you finish the Bible in one year and you're in ninth grade, by the time you graduate high school, you will have read the Bible at least three times. That's sowing the word in, right? That is foundation that the Lord would be able to draw upon in her life as she comes up against challenges. And so, you know, no 14 year old's going to say, okay, mom, I'll do it. And then actually do it. But last night when I said to her, hey, I didn't get to my Bible reading. It's, it's 10 o'clock. I didn't read my four chapters today. I'm going to do it now. Can you turn the TV off? And she said, sure. And I said, do you want to read it with me? And she's like, yeah, okay. And so we did it together. And so does that mean we're going to read the Bible together every night? No, not necessarily. 
but it, this idea of just take today and sew that word in as a lifeline and as a, um, a way to say, I'm choosing life. I'm choosing to enjoy every day life. And I'm going to put all this pressure on hold because it's still going to be there tomorrow. And God says to sit with him, to spend time with him, to take in his word, and then to live from that place. So hope that is encouraging to you. Like I said, upcoming episodes on Sabbath rest, which you can check out on the More to Be podcast, and you can go back and listen to the first part of this message, this teaching on how to avoid burnout and enjoy everyday life. So we are going to jump into questions now. And the first person that we're having up to answer our questions. So Andrea, we have a question for you that was submitted by a gal that registered. Her question was, how can a mom best navigate her desire to grow spiritually while managing the daily roadblocks and frustrations that go along with her multiple jobs, including caretaking, leading, working, etc." All right. Well, I am so glad you asked that question, sister. I totally feel you. I understand. Um, so when I think about your question, the first thing that if we were sitting together over coffee and we were talking, I would say to you, let's identify what all those roadblocks are. So from your question, I already heard, you know, you are caretaking, you've got work to take care of. Um, and and I'm, I'm hearing that sense of urgency there with those and that frustration. So we would sit down together and, and make a list of those roadblocks because I'm all about the list. So mm -hmm. whether for you that's making a list on paper, making a list on your head, but we would take the time together to really identify what are each of those roadblocks there for you. And then um, really thinking about, okay, if you want to live your best life, which I'm hearing from you, your best life includes very, being spiritually in tune to the Lord. And if you want to live that best life, then really dissecting why is it that you want to live that best life and what are you giving up if you don't live that? So if you're not attuned to the word every day, what are those things that for you are the most important that you would be giving up or you would be losing out on um, through your life? So really tuning into that. So as you're thinking about that today, even as you're listening, um, what do you want that best life to look like? But more importantly, what is um, there that you are missing, that you would be missing out on if you didn't live that? And so really thinking about what is your why? Why do you want to be spiritually growing? And then thinking about, okay, that list of roadblocks, those are the what. So how can your why for that, the why to be spiritually in tune to the Lord, how is that bigger than your what? And continuing to focus on the why. And so then I would encourage you with, what are those daily behaviors, um, those one degree things that you might be able to change? Um, what are those items that every day you could change just a little bit in order to be spiritually growing? So if we were to take a look at your day and, you know, you might be saying, well, I work an eight-hour day. Um, so what are those opportunities within your work day that you would have to make a one-degree shift? So for you, maybe that is, well, I do work a full eight-hour day, but maybe I commute a little bit in the morning or I commute a little bit in the evening. So how could you turn on a podcast? How could you turn on more to be and listen? And that would help you with your spiritual growth. Um, how could you um, be spiritually in tune to the Lord with listening to the word? So maybe that's an app where you can just listen to the word. Um, maybe it's during the workday. Maybe you don't have a commute. It's a, a really short drive, maybe from your living room to your office at your house. But maybe you do have a lunch hour that you take. Um, is there a way within that lunch hour to just get away? Um, whether you're getting away from the office, you're getting away from the kids, whatever that opportunity might be um, to just make one small change in your behavior. We know in Romans 12 too, the Lord says to us, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. And so how can you really change your thought process in order to ensure that you are living that best life? But it only gets there if we don't think about it in one great big area of I've got all these roadblocks but really it helps to break those down into what are the roadblocks? What's the best life I want to live? What am I giving up? And then what's that one degree change in that behavior? Mm, so, so good. Thanks for the question. Yeah. 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 
Yeah, it's a good question. So if you guys have follow-up questions for Andrea on that, we will answer those at the end because we, we do have like, we have some really great questions. So Andrea, thank you for sharing. Uh, Kristen, we're gonna have you come on next. And so once you get on there, I'm gonna take off um, Andrea. That sounds funny, uh, but uh, so you're there. Okay, so Kristen, here's the question for you. How do you deal with your own stress and anxiety on a daily basis? Yeah, so when I first got this question, I thought, oh, that's, you know, like everybody's got their own way and whatever. Um, and I was a little flippant about maybe what I would say. And then the more I thought about it and prayed about it, the more mm -hmm. I thought, oh, Lord, you're doing it again, bringing just the right question to just the right person, hopefully. Um, but for me, not necessarily for anyone else in here, but to just be able to wrap my thoughts around mm. this question um, for my own growth. And so there's been some really neat things that the Lord has done. And one, I will say that everything that you have spoken in recent months has been um, confirming lessons that the Lord has taught me in this, um, in this area. So first, for me, I needed to be able to admit that I was in burnout. Um, there was a couple traumatic events that had happened to our family, but prior to those, if you had said, Kristen, how are you feeling today? I would have just said, I'm feeling fine. I would not have been able to identify my feelings because I had stuffed them so far back. Mm. Um, and I think that's common with caretakers mm -hmm. when you're in a caretaking position Mm -hmm. You think, you know, you need to be selfless, you, you know, you need to be selfless mm -hmm. and give all your time and attention and energy to everyone around you. And if you spend time on yourself, that that's being selfish. Mm. And that's, that's just a lie that Satan wants to have us believe. So we don't take care of ourselves. Yeah. So I appreciate the, the attention to this subject because we need to learn to deal with it and call out the shame. There's no mm -hmm. shame. Everyone has stress. We were not created for this world. Mm -hmm. And so the sin, sin that is in our world just because of the fall has direct impact on us. Yeah. The other reason I really appreciate the question is that it allows us to call out some of, um, I didn't have a better word for this, but elitism, maybe mm -hmm. um, sometimes we, we judge our amount of stress or anxiety and we say, you know, we have more. Well, yeah, but well, we're more stressed than you are because, blah, blah, blah. or we do mm -hmm. the opposite. Um, I, I shouldn't feel stressed because I'm just home with the kids. Oh. Or, you know, I don't have this position. I should just be fine. Mm. And so all people are experiencing a level of stress. And that's important to all people. Regardless, mm. there is no more stress, less stress. Stress feels the same on everyone, mm -hmm. regardless of what's causing it. Mm -hmm. So um, I have some Play-Doh today. And I was thing, wondering what was in your hand. Oh, what's in there? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. um, one thing that's been really cool is, you know, if you take Play-Doh, let's just say this is me. And this is the way God originally, I know you can't see it yet. I had it all great and then I smushed it. So this is, this is me right okay. here. There I, you am, I am a cube and this is life. And what does life do? You know, yeah. you have, you get married, somebody else is squishing on you. You have kids, you get a career, the boss and coworkers and all the expectations, responsibilities mm -hmm. you have to do. That's, you know, mm -hmm. and everything is squeezing on you. And the only option, if you're not taking care of it properly, I don't know if you can see what that Play-Doh's doing, but mm -hmm. it's coming out in really ugly forms. And that is what stress and anxiety does to us if left undealt with. And so some keys that I found for me were first to admit that I was at a point where I needed to stop everything and address myself, mm -hmm. admit that burnout, and then identify the core needs that I had, my personality, mm -hmm. my um, limitations, my reality of life, 
what are the needs that I have and be okay with those mm -hmm. to ask that question. What are my needs and not judge the answer. Um, mm. Identifying triggers and putting into place action steps to take care of those. For example, an easy trigger for me that I identified was visual clutter. I, I have a family of eight and we've been in tiny places and I, I think maybe families of eight, they just generally are in tiny places. Um, <laughs> and so visual clutter, there's a lot of visual clutter. And so what can I do? And I've actually, over the last two and a half plus years, been in the process of completely decluttering on purpose because it's a need of mine to have visually clean surfaces. Mm -hmm. So I will skip out on doing the laundry because it's in a separate room. I can close the door and I will clean the surface of my kitchen because mm -hmm. that's where I'm at all the time. You know, that's a practical thing. Um, so I admit, identify the needs, identify triggers, and then become aware. Um, I started becoming aware of my personal cues. You know, are my shoulders tightening? Um, am I stopping breathing? What are the physical things mm -hmm. going on that become my clues? The problem isn't the GI issues. I mean, it is, but that's, a, that's just a physical manifestation of the root, which is in that anxiety. So the, the uh, verse that I want to go to, and then I'm going to get to the last two parts that are questions we can ask. I wanted to read a little bit from Jesus when he's at the Mount of Olives. It's in Luke 22, 39. And it starts, it says, and he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from mm. me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Mm. And so when we're squeezed, we can identify some of those triggers. We can let go and learn to manage some of those cues and triggers. But then we're sitting there and we're still looking like this. And a really key thing um, that I've learned is that need to release. Mm. And that's the ability to say, I'll control what is in my space only, but I can't control my children's response. I can't control my husband. I can't control my neighbor who isn't doing this on his, you know, whatever. And so the Lord the Lord is the one that's going to take care of them. I don't need to. Mm -hmm. And that takes away that um, anxiety. It lessens us and it puts us in our proper place in terms of humility. Mm. I think um, our response to anxiety shows the view of ourself. Is it inflated? Well, I got this, Lord. I can take care of it. Yeah. I got to fix this. This is my job. Is it deflated? Uh, he doesn't love me anyway. It doesn't even matter what I do. No, that's good. You know, and so this morning as I was praying, of course, the Lord does this. He also brought to mind the common verse that we talk about, casting, cast all your cares yeah. upon uh -huh. him. Well, I looked it up. You know what it says in verse six, one verse before that. Yeah. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the yep. mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Mm, I love that verse. I was, I, I never put those verses together. Mm -hmm. Maybe others have, but that was really neat to see, again, confirmed that proper view of ourself will help us respond to anxiety and stress in a proper manner, which is to go first to Jesus's feet and spend time praying mm -hmm. and then to release it. So good. It's his. So good, Kristen. The, I, I, you gave very practical steps and that, and that's just awesome. I thought it was interesting when I read that question to you, I was like, Oh Lord, what are you trying to tell me? Because this morning I read in Luke 12, 
the, the subheading for the section from 22 through 34 is the cure for anxiety. I was like, oh, hello. And it says the same thing, you know, that uh, he cares for you. I see that um, uh, one of the gals, I lost it already, it already moved, said, wow, that's amazing. He cares for us was the response that she said to what you were saying. And that, that's in this passage, you know, he cares for the sparrow, he's going to care for us. And so I just think um, that's good. It's just good. You, you took us into the word with practical applications. Thank you. Yeah. All right, so next up, we've got Kelly coming on board. Let me- Hello. Pop. Hello, <laughs> how are you? I'm so good. <laughs> Good, good. I'm glad you're here. This is phenomenal. I know. Like, it's so funny. We listen to each other and I'm like taking, you know, I want to take notes. I probably should just grab my paper and write it down. So our question for you from a gal that, that asked, can you help me create a game plan to improve physical and spiritual wellness in the next 24 hours? I was like, whew, that's a biggie. And you can handle this one. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tall order. Tall order. <laughs> well, I'm, yeah. I'm really excited to talk about this because I believe that physical wellness and spiritual wellness are so important independent of one another. But I do believe that it's really important to talk about them together, that they, they share a space in the same conversation for a couple of reasons. Um, I have a background in health and fitness coaching. I did health and fitness coaching for many years before I became a life breaker coach. And what I saw time and time again was women who struggled to reach their physical goals because they felt stuck in some other area of their life. And it wasn't until we did some internal digging and we did that inner work and they could experience a spiritual breakthrough, that was when they were able to start reaching those physical goals. And another reason that I think it's important to look at them together is I mean, we see that Jesus did. He was encountered with so many physical problems. People couldn't see, people couldn't walk. And before he would heal them physically, he would ask a heart question mm -hmm. and he would do that, that inner work. Mm -hmm. And the, you know, there are two verses that I have turned to time and time again um, in my spiritual walk. And Andrea actually mentioned one of them, um, but it wasn't until I realized that they are together again, um, one right after the other in the Bible that this all really made sense, this idea of wellness. And so um, I'm gonna turn again to Romans chapter 12. In verse one, we read, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So right there in verse one, we have the physical taking care of ourselves. And then in verse two, as Andrew mentioned, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So we have a different kind of transformation, not physical, but spiritual. And so when we look at them together, we realize we can't fulfill God's will and purpose if we're not taking care of our bodies, right? Because it's really difficult to live on mission from a hospital bed or when you're not well. Um, so there, there are a couple of questions that I would encourage you to think about it in, in creating your plan. Um, first of all, with the physical, how are you treating your body as a holy and pleasing living sacrifice? Mm -hmm. As far as your nutrition, are you eating whole nourishing foods that are going to help your body thrive? With your fitness, are you taking the time to do intentional activity that's mm. going to bring you joy? And then also in terms of rest, are you observing Sabbath? Are you creating margin in your life for restoration? Because we really do all need that. And so again, in, in terms of those, you know, Andrea was talking about those minor one degree changes in your spiritual life. I would suggest that you would pray and ask God about those one degree changes that you could make in those areas of nutrition, of fitness, and of rest. Um, and really just see mm. where he leads you to, you know, those changes are your first steps in your action plan, because I believe that he's going to reveal to you something that you can do today to improve those things. And then the next question is, and this is, this is really a heart check. What is it going to cost you to not make those changes, mm. to just stay as you are today? 
Um, and, and, and that's really gonna spur you on towards, towards making those changes. And then um, another thing that I think is important to think about is in terms of renewing your mind, remembering that God reveals his will in his word, right? So um, we have our next course of action is to figure out when we're gonna start digging in, right? And we have to really commit to a plan instead of just saying, you know, every once in a while, this is gonna happen, just like a physical transformation doesn't happen by eating one healthy meal, we're not gonna transform spiritually by just praying once in a while, right? We wanna stay continuous in prayer um, and, and continuous in digging in the words. So another question would be, when and where are you going to take the time to pray each day? Mm. And when and where are you gonna take the time to um, really dig into God's word? And I know that uh, Marva in a couple of minutes is gonna be talking about that in a little bit. Um, for me, uh, that's 5.40 in the morning when my children don't wake up until 6.30. Um, I've, I've experimented with other times throughout the day, but I have found that that is the time that I can be the most focused. It's really quiet. And, and that's just a great plan for me personally. Um, and here's another uh, beautiful benefit to focusing on these two things together, to really considering matching your, your physical goals with your spiritual goals is there are gonna be days when it gets hard to, to continue working on towards those physical goals. There are gonna be days when you're tired and you don't have motivation and you, you just don't want to. But if you are committed to spending time in God's word, then every day you get fresh truth about who God says you are. And that'll help you combat those limiting beliefs when you tell yourself, I can't do this. Uh, I'm not capable of doing this. Um, he's going to tell you that you are capable and, and that you can do all things mm. through Christ who strengthens you. Um, so so just, just soak in marrying your physical and spiritual wellness, and it's going to take you so much farther than looking at them independently. Oh, I love it, Kelly. So good. So good. I love the truths. Those are, those are keeper truths for me too, that Romans passage to uh, I like it in the NLT translation. It says, let God change your thinking. Yes. And so uh, I, I love, and I knew that's how you were going to answer the question. You were going to say, it's just not about the physical. It's about the emotional and the spiritual that is leading to the, the physical. And those questions that you, you put together are perfect for that, that deeper investigation. So I'm so glad. I'm so glad you answered that question. I'm glad too. Um, okay, so Marva, we are bringing you on now, uh, and I love how all the answers to all these questions are, all go together. It's a whole, we're whole packages. We're just not one little thing. So Marva, the question is, how do you make time to pray and read your Bible every day before other distractions? Uh, that is a great question, and I believe that all of us wish that we had an extra hour in our day. <laughs> <laughs> yes. make things happen but you know that just hasn't happened yet so you know for me I think we can always talk about the practicals and the things that we think we should do but I'd like to also start first with the mindset you know really looking at the why behind um, you know what it is we do and just really moving from that place because when it comes to time in the word you know or time with God I, I love this question because it really hints at what's important to you. And so that's a great place to start. You know, mm -hmm. just really asking yourself, what is important to me? And a fantastic way to do that is actually even looking at, you know, your values, looking at, okay, even making a, a simple list of what's important. Um, you know, because I think when we're able to see those things in black and white, then it really puts into perspective the things that are important because the truth is we will always be able to make time for the things that are important to us. Mm -hmm. So that really puts it into context for me. And, and I feel that that's something that helps you because, you know, making time is, is about, you know, the things that are important. But the other part of it too is looking at what is it that's distracting you. Sometimes it's really some God-ordained appointments, like, you know, your kids are coming to you and they want to talk to you and those kind of things. 
And you don't always want to just brush off the distractions. You really want to see what is God showing you in that time. Um, so I would also just look at, you know, the things that are distracting. Can you notice some patterns? Maybe it is social media, which is, is a very common distraction for all of us. So, you know, why is it that social media is the thing that's sneaking into your day when you're trying to spend time with God? Are there some changes that you need to make when it comes to that? Because the Bible says in James 4, verse 8, that, you know, when we draw near to God, he draws close to us. You know, so it's that sort of perspective where when we make the time for God, he allows himself into our space even more. So just really looking at, you know, the distractions that are coming up, um, how are those things getting in the way and what are you going to do about them? Because again, it goes back to the things that are important to you. And the last question that I would ask if, if I was in that situation, and I, and I often am, is just really, what are your expectations? Because I find that this is where we get tripped up a lot. You know, um, Kelly mentioned just now that for her, spending time with God is 5.40 in the morning. And I think a lot of us believe that that's what it should look like. It should be first thing in the morning. It should, you know, be quiet when the kids are sleeping, the husband and all this stuff. But really, that's an expectation that sometimes we put on ourselves that may not need to be there. So are your expectations realistic? Are you living according to someone else's expectations? You know, just really managing those expectations, I think, would be helpful because sometimes we're just not really giving ourselves grace the way we should. Um, so just really looking at what's important to you in terms of your values, you know, how are you spending your time and what's distracting you? And then finally, what are your expectations and how can you embrace grace? So I pray that those questions would help because I think it's really the heart that wants to spend time with God and just really commune with him. Um, but getting caught up, you know, it's really a way of being able to turn that around and just drawing closer to him. Mm, good stuff. Good stuff. Lots of uh, practical ideas, but also it's really important that you mention that piece about expectations and, and mindset. Like um, it, it's so easy to compare ourselves one to another. And even with my conversation with Caitlin last night, I said, you know, we're different personalities. We're different ages. We have different values. So how it's going to look for me is going to look different than how it's going to look for you. And so I appreciate the fact that you use those coaching questions as opposed to saying, do it A, B, and C. Yeah. Right. Right. So well done. Well done, Marva. Okay. Um, Perry, we'd love for you to let us know if we have any questions and, um, my coaching pals come on back let's all let's all be on screen together because i do have two questions that were submitted that we can um answer questions for and let me do it this way let's do there ha, they were all there together that's much better um, we have no questions from today you no questions from today perry okay good so well that's not good but we've got we've got a couple questions here that we can um ask or answer. So I'm going to put these questions out there, uh, give you girls a few minutes to think about how, if you want to take any on, and then I'll answer a question that also came in. So one question was, what advice do you have for helping a five-year-old through their transition of mommy going to work full-time after always being a stay-at-home mom? So that's a biggie, right? Um, another question is, I'd love advice on getting right before the Lord and accepting his forgiveness when this mistake of your past haunts you. All right, so think, think and pray through those. I'm going to answer this question. Um, well, somebody had asked these questions, two of these questions last time, so I'm going to refer back to the other recording. How do you know coaching is your calling and more about the coaching course you offer? So that's answered in the last episode. Another question that came in was opening your own business. What advice would you give and how would you come up with a plan? Whew, that's a big one. <laughs> so um, I think that's a good question to, to ask because uh, you have to uh, understand your motive. So is your desire to open the, your own business because you want to make money? Like, is this a replacement of income from a current job or that's like one path, or is your desire to open your own business because you have a vision for a particular business, a, a, um, have a concept that you're like, I, I know that this is a, a, something that I would love to do. 
And as you think about those two questions, uh, you, you have to really start with the research. So if it is a financial decision, uh, do the research to find out how much people are making in that field and how long it takes for them to start up and grow and, and be successful at that. Uh, typically, it's three years from a startup to uh, knowing if it's even going to, going to make it. Uh, and the first year is a diehard uh, setup, a whole new learning curve usually. Uh, and then the second year, you start to get into a comfortability a little bit, but you're still not sure. And then your third year, you start to have measured results. So, do, you know, really assess, can the market handle one more person doing this thing? Uh, and what is the average income of a person uh, accomplishing this task to decide if that's the direction you should go in? If it is a, like, a passion job, like, I just know I'm made for this, like Eric Little and Chariots of Fire. I was made to run fast. Uh, then the question is, um, is there room and space in the market for you to show up there? And is there a need? Like, can you, um, my husband has an expression. He says, uh, everything's better. And he, he, the name of the town that we live in, which I'm going to keep private. Uh, and then uh, he's like, I want to get t-shirts made that says everything's better in I was like, yeah, but what's like the population of our town? Like there's a, there's a cap on that business venture. Like how many different places could we go to possibly sell those t-shirts? And then he's like, well, then maybe we should do like everything is better in blah. And you could like sub in your town. I was like, well, there's a market concept, but how much is it going to cost? And so for example, um, I made these lovely more to be mugs that I was so, so excited about that um, I was not going to go into debt producing because they were so affordable to get printed and, and sent to me. And I took the first one that sold to the post office and it was $11.99 to ship it. So I went into the hole <laughs> big time on the purchase of these coffee mugs because I didn't factor in one piece, which was the actual cost of shipping based on weight rather than based on size. So when you're thinking about what business adventure you want to go into, you, you really do have to measure the cost. And there was a, a um, I just read this actually this morning uh, in Luke, um, for which, uh, this is uh, Luke chapter 14. It's, here's a biblical principle for you. For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying, this man started to build and wasn't able to finish. So I'd say your, your first step before you launch into a business is calculating the cost. What's the cost to start it? What's the cost to sustain it? And what's the emotional and physical cost on you and your family? Okay, so what advice do you have for helping a five-year-old do the transition of mommy going to work after always being a stay-at-home mom? All right, <laughs> I got it. Um, uh, well, and I would say um, helping uh, that child see what your work looks like and what brings you joy in that work and why you're doing that work. Like um, looking at it from the point of a five-year-old, like as much as they understand, uh, but helping them see that this isn't a, I'm choosing this because I don't want to be with you, but that this uh, leads to uh, something for us as a family. So like when I um, ended up working evenings, uh, and that was a change for my kids because I would come out uh, here into the shed and I would teach a coaching class, which meant I wasn't going to be inside with them at bedtime. I, I helped them see the income that that was producing. I said, and I sat down and I gave calculations. I said, when mommy teaches a coaching class after all my expenses, this is the extra income. So what we're going to do with this extra income is we're going to go for Chick-fil-A at the end of my 10 week course. And we're going to go out to dinner because that's not something we do. I mean, we just, we, we can't eat out very much on our budget. And so they were able to say, associate, oh, mom, mom's going into the shed, but that's giving us this thing that we love to do, which is to go to Chick-fil-A. So it became not a negative, but a positive. 
Uh, and and it got as they got older, it became more tangible as they want to do uh, well. Like this past weekend with my daughter at Harvard Model Congress, there were no um, there's no girls in her class or female chaperones, so I had to go with her. And I was able to go with her because I have this entrepreneurial work. Well, this entrepreneurial work means it's portable, so she can continue to do what she wants to do. But it also means there are times I have to say no because the income didn't come in that month or that I can't because I already made a commitment. And so helping that child see how this is part of the family blessing and provision rather than something that's being taken away from them. That'd be how I would answer that question. And Lisa, I yeah. wanted to, just before you answered, I was going to jump into. Oh. Because one of the things that I thought about was just really the, the reassurance that might be necessary for that child. Because mm -hmm. I think sometimes, regardless of our age, we can feel as if, you know, we're being um, put aside for one reason or another. So, you know, a five-year-old could feel like mommy's choosing something other than me mm -hmm. and even start to internalize that. So just really asking, you know, how can you make sure that you spending some time reassuring her or him, you know, mm -hmm. as to how loved and, and special they are, because um, you don't want that to become a, a source of resentment. Yeah. So just yeah. really how you can build that into your schedule as well to reassure them of that love. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Okay. So then there's this other question. Um, advice on getting right before the Lord and accepting his forgiveness when your past mistake haunts you. Anybody have a... I would be happy to take that one, Lisa. Go for it, please. All right. So um, for me personally in my life, um, I went through a really big um, forgiveness situation with someone who had harmed me. Um, and so I was easily able to offer forgiveness to that person. Of course, after many years of counseling and so forth, I was able to do that through the Lord's help. I had a far more difficult um, time with forgiving myself for things that I had done in my past. And so the ways that I was able to work through that um, really was just implementing some methods to ask myself, okay, exactly what did I do? Who did that harm? Um, asking for forgiveness from any individuals that I might have harmed through that process. Um, but really then taking it before the Lord and mm -hmm. saying, God, I know that um, through your blood and the, what you offered for the forgiveness of our sins, um, I am also forgiven. And so it was really rewriting the script for myself. Mm -hmm. um, for my own forgiveness. So, you know, I, I think of it, I heard a, a great um, analogy recently, and, and that is if I am mowing a pathway up and down my yard, and I go in the same direction, just forward, backward, forward, backward, mowing the same strip of land. And um, with that, I am telling myself that I am not worthy of forgiveness. If I continue to do that over and over, that's the pathway that I'm going to form. Mm -hmm. But then if I come over here on the other side and I develop a new pathway where I tell myself that I am worthy of that forgiveness, that forgiveness, because if Jesus forgave me, why can't I forgive myself? And if I form that new pathway by mowing back and forth, back and forth, a new path, this path over get over here that I was telling myself I wasn't I wasn't worthy before. That's going to grow up, and no longer mm -hmm. are my thoughts going to lead in that direction. But I'm truly going to be able to follow the new pathway over here, of offering myself that forgiveness, realizing that I am worthy of being forgiven of that sin, so that I can look ahead to tomorrow and say. Where do I want my life to lead despite those past failures? We all have those. Mm -hmm. Some of those may be small, some may be large. We have those past failures um, and areas that we need to forgive ourselves for. But really rewriting that script for ourselves to say, what do I want that to look like for me moving forward? I think about my own life verse of Genesis 50, 20, and that being what Satan intended to harm mm -hmm. me, God intended for good for the saving of many lives. So what am I going to do with those past failures, those past mistakes that I've made? What am I mm -hmm. gonna do with those and how am I gonna use those 
to advance his kingdom in the future. So that's how I would kind of think through that question. That's good. That's good. I will, um, I'm going to add to it, uh, again, yeah. out of my Bible reading this morning. Like, this is why we read our Bibles, right? Like, God wants to draw from it. And this morning, I was like, I don't know why I'm reading this, but I am. Um, it is a, it's a command. It's an instruction. Uh, forgiveness. It's not, it's not just like a nice theory concept. So, you know, again, in Luke uh, chapter 11, um, Jesus said, whenever you pray, say, Father, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, give us our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone in debt to us and do not bring us into temptation. What I find fascinating is that God is continually telling us to forgive others and to ask him to forgive us. But I don't see a place in scripture that says we have to forgive ourselves. So this idea that I have to forgive myself, I have to forgive myself is actually, in, in my opinion, is us not receiving the forgiveness that Jesus shed blood on the cross already satisfied for us. It is saying, Jesus, you died up there on that cross for everybody else, but what I did was so bad you couldn't die for me. And, and instead, it is receiving it and saying that shed blood was sufficient. It has covered my sin. I say, yes, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. Help me step out of shame. Help me step out of condemnation. Help me step out of uh, guilt and all the, those things and, and recognize the difference between the voice of God saying, I love you and creating that new path that you're talking about, Andrea. I love you. You are chosen. You're holy. You're dearly loved. You are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are rescued. You are restored. And, and that's what Jesus has secured for you as opposed to I, I am not good enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not able. I shouldn't. And I couldn't. And I wouldn't. Right. And it's completely going in a new direction. And that is what you're talking about, Andrea, that new pathway of thinking, which is the same thing, Kelly, you said, you know, it's the same thing, Kristen, that you said, it's, it's what we do as coaches is we help identify the mindset so to uncover the, the truth that God has for us as opposed to the feelings that we've become accustomed to living by. Elisa, can I just add one more thing to that if we have yeah. a moment? Yeah, go um, for it. Something that, that I have experienced in, in those moments when um, I struggle to receive that, um, that just that, that it is washed away, I am cleansed of this. When I don't receive that, then I find that I'm striving to, yes. do, to, to do it all in my own power. And that kind of relates to what we're talking about with avoiding burnout. Nothing is going to burn you out like striving yes. for something that you're already freely given. Oh, so amen. It's, it's, it's really important to, to just receive. It's done. Done. <laughs> it's done. It is done. So we are at, at, out of time. There is that one question um, that Christine asked that I want to just touch on for a moment. Uh, she, she said, I'm trying to get my 17-year-old to see God as a guiding force for her. How can I help her understand that? She's going to college soon, and I need her to know that he is there for her all the time. Um, oh, mama, get it. My oldest is 20. My, I have an 18-year-old, and I have a 14-year-old, so I understand that. Like, Lord, what if they don't believe? You know, what if they turn to something or someone else? And I would, I would go back to this concept that we are not the savior of our children and we cannot make them believe we cannot shift their mindset just like none of us here can shift each other's mindsets we can't shift anybody who's listening's mindset uh we can't shift our kids mindset but we can be god's love to them and and if you allow his love to settle in your soul and just ooze out of you. You deal with your stuff. You be that, that person on the airplane who's, who says, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself, mama. Uh, and you deal with your stuff and you, you get right before the Lord and you be the first to apologize. And when you have sinned against your kids, which we all do, you know, you be the first to admit your need and help in God and allow her to witness your life uh, and make that choice uh, for herself. And that's the hardest thing is to kind of be like, here you go, Lord, this child's yours. Uh, 
you know, here you go. Uh, and, and then I would say it's appropriate to extend invitations uh, to, to spend time together and to develop a, a deeper relationship uh, and to use coaching questions, although your children may at times ask you to stop coaching them, um, use coaching questions to help her uh, think about the cost of her choices. You know, what is this costing you? Tell me how you feel about that. What does this look like uh, in your future if you make this decision now? And just asking a lot of questions at appropriate times so that she begins owning her decisions rather than taking up the position of advice giver and teacher because your relationship is changing just based on age and proximity. Um, and then you could get to know all of our more to be coaches at moretobe.com. You can go to the life coaching page, the coach directory page, and uh, work with any of these amazing women. I'm going to hire you all to spend time with me. <laughs> and then um, if you want to share this with your friends and your family, which we love, we love being able to, to extend the blessing. Uh, the podcast will be out in two weeks from now, a week from Friday. Uh, this will air as a podcast episode and you can then share it with anyone you want. Uh, you can find us and all our links at moretobe.com and we look forward to seeing you guys next time.